Hi, and welcome to the Vineyard Northwest podcast. At Vineyard Northwest, we aim to be a culture that welcomes heaven to earth by raising up world-changing kingdom leaders. We hope you enjoy this message by our children's pastor, Sarah Anderson, on God's gift of salvation from our series, God's Gift to You This Christmas. Good morning, everybody. Like Dustin said, if you guys weren't here last week, I am planting a church in Finneytown next year, which is crazy, and it's crazy that it's almost next year, too. Um, But yes, it has been my honor and privilege to serve Northwest Kids for the past five years, and it's been amazing to see how all of the different people that have been in that position, how our gifts and our talents and our visions have just kind of built on each other, and so I'm really excited to see who the Lord brings to steward that ministry for the next season of time. I think it's going to be amazing, and they'll just build on everything that the past directors and I have built over the past almost 20 years now. So please pass that along if you know of anyone that would be great to apply for that position. So we are going to continue in our Christmas series today about God's gifts. We heard from Wilson about God's gift of joy, and we heard from Van about God's gift of hope. And today we are gonna talk about God's gift of salvation. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you that you are our savior. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have salvation for us as a gift. God, I pray that you would open our minds and you would open our hearts this morning to have a deeper revelation of your goodness and your love and your salvation. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, open your Bibles or your phones and turn with me to Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. All right, well, we're going to really focus today on verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. I have three kids. Naming them was not always an easy process. The first one, super easy. We were like, great, take grandpa on my side, take grandpa on his side, put them together, we got it. It was easy. Second kid, it was like 24 hours after he was born. We are like, okay, I think this is the name. Third kid, they were like, ma'am, you need to leave the hospital, please name your child. <laughs> we are like, okay, I think we can name him. 
So sometimes naming our children is hard. For Mary and Joseph, it wasn't hard at all because an angel came to them and said, name him Jesus. And we talk about that name a lot. We pray in the name of Jesus. We talk about how powerful his name is. Well, from the very beginning, from the time he was in Mary's womb, his name was foretold. And it means the Lord saves. The Lord saves. From the time he was in the womb, it was foretold that Jesus would be our savior. That was his purpose here on earth. One of his purposes was to come, bring salvation, to save. Now, this didn't just like happen later. Like Jesus was growing up, he was maybe 10 or 12, and God said, man, that kid, he's pretty cool. He hasn't messed up yet. Let's make him the Messiah. <laughs> it didn't happen later on. It was always the reason why Jesus came. That's, all, that's why he has the name that he has. So Jesus came to bring salvation. And likewise, salvation is only accessible through Jesus. And that salvation is only possible because he came to be God among us, to be Emmanuel. This is the purpose of Christmas. We celebrate that God came as a baby, humbly in Bethlehem on this earth, and that he came to save. That's the purpose. John 3, 17, Jesus tells us himself, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So what is salvation? Why do we need to be saved? What are we being saved from? Well, we're being saved from perishing, we're being saved from separation from God, and we're being saved from the penalty of our sins. And this story of the salvation of humanity and concurrently the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth, this is a story, it's a thread that weaves its way throughout all of history. And so it starts way back at the beginning with creation. And God created the world and he created it to be good. And every little thing that he created, he said, it is good. And then he created Adam and Eve. He created image bearers because he wanted people to be in relationship with. And Adam and Eve and God were in good relationship. It says in Genesis that they would walk together in the cool of the evening. That tells me that they enjoyed spending time together. Just like I like to take Grant, my husband, after dinner and take a walk. And we get to talk through the day and we get to play with the dog and it's just that, that sweet moment of the day is ending and I get to be with the one I love. God would come and he would do that with Adam and Eve. They were in right relationship, they were in a good place. But then the fall happened. And through the choices and the temptation of Adam and Eve, sin entered the world and entered into mankind. And that introduced a separation between God and humanity. And this grieved God's heart. This was a loss for God just as much as it was a loss for humanity. It was a loss of that right relationship. I believe deep down in our hearts that we were made with an innate desire to be in right relationship with God. That there's something deep inside of us that wants to be known and loved and seen by our creator. So this wasn't a good separation. And so God worked together with the Israelites, his chosen people, to come up with these systems and processes for them, in spite of sin, to be able to be connected with God. 
And so what they would do is they, they had laws and they had rules and they had ways that they could sacrifice so that they could be in right relationship with God. Now, for you and I, the word sacrifice has kind of lost a little bit of its meaning. We talk about like, I'm gonna sacrifice my Starbucks so that I can, you know, give money to the poor. Well, that's, yes, that is a sacrifice, <laughs> okay? That, that's, that is true. I don't drink coffee, so for me, that, take the Starbucks. But for a lot of you, I'm sure Starbucks would be a sacrifice. But the true meaning of sacrifice, at least biblical sacrifice, was that they would take an animal and they would kill it. Like, this was not an easy, beautiful thing. They would actually kill the animal. And in Romans, it tells us that the wages of sin is death. So if you sin, the wage is death. That's what you need to pay. And in Hebrews, it tells us, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So you would kill the animal, you would, you would break, you would sin, sin would happen, you would break the law, you would have to go take an animal, there was certain regulations for what kind and how many and when you would do it and how you would do it, and you would sacrifice the animal and the blood of that animal would cleanse you of your sins. But the problem is this was only temporary because we're human and we sin again. And so you could kill the animal, sacrifice, say, oh, I'm in right relationship with God. Everything is good within me. And then five minutes later, you mess up. Oh, man, now I have to do it again. So these were only temporary fixes. So this was an imperfect system, but it was the system that humanity had. So Jesus comes, we celebrate his coming at Christmas and he came to save people from their sins. He came to save people from the wrong things that they did. How do we atone for sin? The wages of sin is death. There has to be a blood payment for that. And so God, Jesus, as part of the Trinity, Jesus becomes human, the perfect human. He shows us how to live as a human here on the earth in perfect communion with the Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit inside of us. And then he willingly went to the cross. He willingly went to the cross. He sacrificed himself. He sacrificed his blood. He paid the price and his extremely precious human, yet somehow still God, blood, was enough to cover for all of the sins, for all of humanity, for all of time. Because his blood is that precious. So we had a problem, and God said, no, I'm gonna pay the debt. I'm gonna do it myself. We're not in right relationship because of things they did, but I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna come close to them, and I'm gonna take care of the problem, okay? So we are saved, salvation is being saved from the penalty, from the blood payment, and from death from our sins. But what are we saved into? We are saved into eternal life. One of the most famous verses, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, what's his motivation? Love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, they will not die, but have eternal life. 
That eternal life can start now. From the moment that you accept Jesus, that eternal life starts. You enter into it. If you've believed, you will one day enter heaven and be in God's presence, and it will be wonderful and good and glorious. You could do nothing else for the rest of your life, and you could say, eternal life, I've got it. But to me, that rings a little hollow. I think there's more to salvation than that. In fact, there are some people that believe that our salvation is actually threefold, that there's three different elements of our salvation. We can say, I have been saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. You might be thinking, what? What do you mean? Well, the first one, I have been saved. Yes, if you have believed in Jesus, you have been saved. What have you been saved from? The penalty of sin. Jesus paid your penalty for your sins. That's what you've been saved from. The fancy word for this is justification. You've been justified. You've been made right in the eyes of our just God. And when did that happen? In the past. It's done. Not only because you probably believed in the past, maybe five seconds ago or five years ago or 50 years ago, but it also happened at a point in time when Jesus was on the cross 2,000 years ago. It's done. And if you haven't believed it yet, go ahead. (laughs) And then it will be done. It will be in the past. Now, the second thing is I am being saved. Every believer is in a process of being saved continually throughout their lives as they continue walking with Jesus from the power of sin. Okay, we don't believe in Jesus and then like, boom, right that minute, you're a perfect human and you're never gonna make a mistake again. It it just doesn't happen that way. We enter into, the fancy word is a process of sanctification That means we're being made into the image of Jesus. We're starting to emulate Jesus more and more as we walk with him, as we learn about his heart for us, as we learn about God's best for us, the things that he wants for us. The power of sin gets broken again and again and again in our lives as we learn and as we grow and as we encounter other things. Like maybe you say, you know what? A year ago, the power of addiction was broken over me. Beautiful, wonderful, great. Guess what? There's more freedom for you. God has more that he wants to break the power of in your life. And what I've learned is that as we become more mature, as other sin, the big ones are kind of dealt with and sloughed off of us, there's these tiny things that God says, okay, now you're ready to talk about this one. This one's in between you and I, and I didn't worry about it 10 years ago because you weren't ready, but now you're ready. Let's deal with this one, Sarah. Let's like, just let's be done with it. And so God helps us to break the power of sin as we go through our life. And when does this happen? This happens in the present. It's an ongoing process. It, I, I would like to be able to say that every believer who is alive is engaged in the process of sanctification. I don't think that's actually true. I think we have a choice. I think that you can choose to press into sanctification and submit to that process and say like, yes, Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to be closer to you. And sometimes we're like, eh, Jesus, this is kind of comfortable over here. (laughs) I'd rather be over here right now. So 
But regardless, it is an ongoing process and we can always turn towards sanctification and walk towards it. We, I mean, we have free will. We can turn away from sanctification and say, you know, at this time I'm pretty comfy in my sin. Don't, don't really want to. But it is available to us to continue to have the power of sin broken over our lives. Now the last part of this is I will be saved. All of us can say with confidence if we are believers in Jesus that one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. Doesn't matter how far you are in your sanctification process, there are people all around you that are probably ahead of you in sanctification and behind you in sanctification. There are some people that aren't interested in sanctification at all. They're not a part of the kingdom of God yet. And those people, when they sin, it can affect us. They can lie to us, they can hurt us. Their actions have consequences that affect us. And our continued sins that we do choose to engage in, those have consequences for us and for the people around us. So while we're on this earth, unfortunately we're gonna live in the presence of sin. That's just a fact. But the other fact is one day, either when you go to heaven or when Jesus returns, this is called the glorification, you will no longer be in the presence of sin. There is no sin in heaven. There is no pain or death or sickness or lying or murder or stealing or adultery or any of that. One day, we will be free from the presence of sin. One day, you will be saved from having to be in the presence of sin. Because even Jesus, when Jesus was here on this earth, he lived in the presence of sin. People lied to him. People wanted to kill him. People did kill him. Even Jesus had to live in the presence of sin while he was here on this earth. So we have been set free from the penalty of sin. We are being set free from the power of sin. And we will be set free. Sorry, losing my earpiece. From the even the presence of sin and its effects. That's a beautiful thing. Now, if there's anything I've become convinced of in this past year, it's that God's desire for me is that I walk in wellness and in wholeness. Like, I feel like I've come pretty far in this journey. Like, line number one, yes, check. I've been saved from the penalty of my sin. That's done. I am being saved from the power of sin, sanctification. Yep, I'm walking into that. I'm actively walking towards sanctification, I'd say 95% of the time, okay? Like, I'm going that direction. I haven't killed anyone in a long time. <laughs> like, I'm, or ever. You know, like, I'm doing pretty good with, like, the big things. But there's, I feel like there's more, you know, like, we're always working towards sanctification, but I think there's another level of salvation that's accessible to us. Because the same word that's used for salvation, is it, the word in Greek is sozo. And if you know anything about the word sozo, you might have heard it before, it means wholeness and wellness, and it can mean healing and deliverance from evil spirits. The same word is used over and over in the New Testament when someone gets delivered or when someone gets healed. It's this word sozo. And so I think that we can press in to sozo. We can press into this all-encompassing sense of salvation. You know, I don't think that we can ever say, earth side, 
you know, I'm completely healed. I'm just great. Everything, every hard thing that's ever happened to me, every traumatic thing I've ever endured, I am physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually 100% okay. I, I just, I, I don't, I'd like to hope and say I hope that could happen, but I just think like in reality, we live in a broken world. And there's a lot of things that we're gonna need healing from. And so I think that we can press in to Sozo. I think that Sozo is something that we can partner with almost, that we can say, I have made a decision. I want to be as whole and healed and healthy as I possibly can be, and I'm going to press in to this in my life, this level of salvation. But what does that look like? How can we actually do that? Well, I want to tell you a story about something that happened in my life over the past several months, a time when I really had to press in to Sozo. And it was pre- it's pretty deep, <laughs> just to give you a warning. Um, so I was living my life kind of going along as normal a couple months ago, and like out of nowhere, I had what you might call a triggering event. And I was smacked in the face fairly suddenly with guilt and shame and trauma from things that occurred over 20 years ago. And things that I don't think about, usually. And all of a sudden, there was no, I was dealing with it. There was no way around it. And I really struggled. Like, didn't want to get out of my bed for a whole day. Struggled. Kept saying, okay, kids, go watch a movie. I'm going to go lay in my bed and be alone. And I was not walking in victory. I was not walking in peace. I was not walking in joy. Like, I was not in a good place. I was just really, uh, I, I felt very guilty. I felt shamed. I was experiencing all the effects of the trauma that I had endured. And it, it, was, it was not pretty. So my husband came home from work, and he climbed in the bed with me, and he held me, and I told him. I was like, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. Had to confess some things to him in that moment. And he was gracious and good and gentle and kind and all the things that Grant is all the time. And he held me. And then he said, you know, I think you need to talk to someone about this. And I was like, eh, really don't want to. Like, I just talked to you. Isn't that enough? He was like, no, I really, I think you need to talk to someone about this. So I said, okay. So I reached out to a woman here at the church that I really admire and trust. I think this had all happened like on a Monday. That's my day off. That's my only day I could lay in bed if I wanted to. Um, and I, so the following Sunday, I reached out to her and I said, you know, could we meet? I had something pretty significant happen this week and I'd like to process it with you. She said, yeah, sure. So probably about a week later, she and I got together and I shared what had happened and she listened and she gave me some wisdom and she prayed with me and she cried with me and then she said, you know, Sarah, I think you need an inner healing prayer session about this. And I said, really? (laughs) Like, I really don't want to do that. Like, that takes some bravery. And she was like, yeah, it does, but I, I think you should find two other women and we should do this. And I said, okay. So I reached out to two other women, we set up a time. Well, due to COVID, it got delayed. 
So it probably took place maybe six weeks after the initial event. So I want to stop here for just a moment and tell you, please notice the intentionality that this took. I was not in crisis mode probably after I had like snotted all over Grant's shoulder. I was probably good. Yet, like I probably could have just said like, let's shove the rest of this back under the rug. I've had my cathartic release. Let's move forward with life. But Grant had pointed out, eh, you've, they, there's something there. And I had to partner with, I had to cooperate with that and step into that, okay? I had to press in to healing and salvation. And then, it was Barb Steffen, so when I met with Barb, I was like, okay, I can check the box. I have pressed into healing, and she was like, no, there's more. I didn't want to do more. <laughs> I wanted to be healed. But I, I listened to her, and I partnered with that, and I pressed into it. And then, I mean, by the time six weeks had passed, guys, I'm kind of like, what, what was I upset about? Like, life just happens. And... But I gotta tell you, I drove into this parking lot and it took every like ounce of courage and determination deep in my gut to open the car door and get out and come inside here and sit in the chair and submit to the inner healing process because it is not fun. It requires vulnerability and it's messy and it takes intentionality. I think sometimes we think about like sozo and we talk about it like it's this big, beautiful, glowing thing. And it is at the end. <laughs> but the process is not glorious and fun. Sometimes it can be. I mean, sometimes it's just like freedom. And you're like, oh, I'm free. <laughs> but sometimes it requires that intentionality because we learn and we grow as we press into it. And we learn to trust God with the heart. So... We started the prayer time, and it was fairly intense fairly early on. Like, I feel like I had barely, like, taken a deep breath, and they're, like, breaking things off over me. <laughs> um, but it, it was going well, and I felt like I was receiving healing. Now, some context that I have to tell you. I, there's a lot of buildup to this. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I have been doing spiritual direction for about 18 months or two years. And what that means is I have a spiritual director. And her name is Clara, and she is a vineyard pastor down in Texas. And Clara is beautiful, and she's wonderful. And she and I meet once a month over Zoom, and we pray together. And she spiritually directs me into exercises that help me encounter God and encounter Jesus, whether it's scripture or song or prayer or imaginative exercises. And it's been really formational for me. Well, one of the very first times that I met with Clara... She had done an exercise with me where she said, Sarah, close your eyes. Okay. And she said, I want you to imagine that you're sitting by a river. And then we were in silent for five to ten minutes. And she would say things like, what does the river sound like? What does the ground feel like under you? Is there a breeze? And she just asked these questions to help me go deeper into my imagination. And then she said, okay, Sarah, Jesus just walked up and he sat down beside you. And then we sat in silence for 10 minutes and she would say things like, what's Jesus wearing? How close is he to you? What's the expression on his face? Ooh, ooh you want me to look at Jesus' face? Like, it was pretty deep. 
And then she said, I want, Sarah, I want you to take every thought that comes into your mind and I want you to imagine that it becomes a boat on the river and it floats down the river. So when your grocery list comes into your mind, you put the milk on the boat and the milk floats down the river. And then when you remember, oh, I've got to make that appointment at the doctor, you put the doctor on the boat and then the boat floats down the river. And just consciously empty your thoughts so that you can fully engage with Jesus without anything popping up in your mind. And that process of meeting with Jesus in my mind, in my imagination, was pivotal for me. And I have come back to that again and again and again in different scenarios, in different places, different times. So we're in this inner healing prayer session. I'm crying. They're praying for me. Things are being broken off. Healing is happening. And then Jen Cochran says, Sarah, I have a picture of you sitting in the woods by a river and Jesus is sitting right next to you. And you are picking up sticks that represent the traumatic memories and you're throwing them into the river and they're going down the river. If you've ever doubted that God speaks to people, like... The amount of detail, and I, and Jen had no way of knowing that. Like, that, you guys are in on my private little world right now. I, it's not like I talk about my intimate experiences with Jesus with many people. I'll breaking that today, clearly. But it's not like Jen knew that. And I just began to weep because God was telling me, you are safe. I am here I see you, I know you, I am meeting with you in our secret place. You're okay. You're gonna be okay. This is good. Side note, God loves to work through his kids. He could have just given me a picture and been like, hey, Sarah, we're by the river. But he wanted me to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that his presence was there and that he was working through these women that were surrounding me. And I did. I, I had every confidence from that moment on that he was working through those women. Then a little while later, Jen said, you know, Sarah, I feel that the Holy Spirit is in the woods with you and he's pointing to sticks that he'd like you to pick up and throw in the river. And at that moment, I had some very traumatic memories surface that I had not thought about in probably 25 years. I had suppressed them. And I mean, cue the ugly cry. But I was able to pick up those sticks, process those memories with those safe women, and throw them in the river and give them to Jesus. And experience healing from those memories and from the shame and the guilt and all the things that are associated with those memories. And so we, we finished that inner healing prayer and I have to tell you, I am walking in more freedom now. I am walking in more salvation. I am walking in more sozo. I'm in a cleaner, deeper relationship with myself. I'm in a cleaner, deeper, more honest relationship with God, with my husband. There was another important relationship in my life that I had to go have some restorative conversations with. That relationship's in a better place. 
All of these things happened through the intentionality of pressing in and saying, God, I believe that you're good. I believe that you want me to be healed. I believe that you want me to be as healthy as I possibly can be. That those traumatic things from 20 years ago, I can take them and I can be rid of them. I can be done. I can give them to you. I can trust you with them and I can stop carrying the weight of them. I can do that because, God, you are good. You all have access to that as well. You have access to Sozo. You do. I do want to say we don't have to go searching for it. Van often gives an illustration that picture yourself in a boat on the top of a lake, and you know there's a bunch of gunk down in the bottom of the lake, You don't have to put on a wetsuit and go diving to the bottom of the lake to find all of your gunk to work it out. You really don't. But when some of that gunk rises to the surface, you you have a choice. You can go towards it and say, God, can you help me work through this that has come up? Or you can like paddle as fast as you can the opposite way and say, I'm just not quite ready to deal with that. But there's an invitation I think, too, sometimes this comes from spiritual attack. I think, honestly, my triggering event was a spiritual attack. I really, really do. But you know what? God takes every, he tells us that he takes everything and he works it for our good. So he takes a spiritual attack that the enemy meant to harm me and meant to, like, wire me down in guilt and shame and sorrow. And God says, okay, you can try to harm her, but I'm going to use this for her good. I'm going to actually use this to heal her, to close some some of those wounds up and make her happier and healthier and more joyful and peaceful and more effective in my kingdom. So God takes all this stuff and he works it for our good. So will you guys stand with me? I really feel like there are a couple of invitations on the table. But you have to respond to an invitation. Salvation is a gift. It has to be freely received, just as it's freely given. You have to actually receive it to have experiential knowledge of it. And so I think there's a couple different levels or layers of invitations today that are on the table. So if you would, just close your eyes, maybe put a hand on your heart. There might be someone in the room that has never said yes to Jesus, that has never accepted that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins, or watching on the live stream as well. If that's you and you want to become a believer today, just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I believe that your precious blood paid the penalty for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead and you are seated in heaven and I want you to be the Lord of my life. I submit my life to you, Jesus. I feel like some of us in the room, as I talked about the process of sanctification, you said, oh, I've been walking away from the process of sanctification. I've been getting really cozy, comfy with a sin in my life. And you got that little nudge from the Holy Spirit inside of you this morning. 
If that's you, take a minute and just talk to Jesus about it. God, I pray for boldness and for courage, for self-control and willpower, for a new revelation of why that sin pattern is not your best for them. That they won't be shamed into change, but that they will be inspired to walk more closely with you, Jesus, to remove every barrier that might be there. I think, too, there's an invitation for Sozo to say, God, I've been feeling you call me to press into healing, to be intentional, to reach out and take hold of healing in some area of my life. And so, God, right this moment, I submit. I tell you that I will pursue your salvation, your Sozo, your healing. God, I pray for wise gentle, kind men and women to surround them at the perfect time to speak life and wisdom over them, to gently urge in the direction that they're needed. Trauma, (laughs) you will not have the last word. We speak healing and life over all of these hearts and minds, and bodies, and souls. And we thank you, Jesus, that one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. We thank you for that glorious day when we will be with you. You are good, and we love you. Amen. Amen.